0: super talk mississippi media production taylor swift is coming to new orleans and margaritaville resort biloxi and super talk are giving away a free pair of tickets for your chance to win go register now at margaritaville resort biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from margaritaville and super talk 103.1
1: howdy howdy it's rhino here and i wanted to say thank you for listening to middays with gerard gibbert here on super talk mississippi
0: get ready get ready
2: Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Well studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. We are kicking off a brand new, rather chilly week here. Rhino. Howdy, howdy. Well, how was the weekend? Oh, not too terribly bad. Uh how about yours? Well, it was good. Uh, I will say that I'm a little gimpy uh, this morning. Let me tell you what happened. I went to uh, pick up some food for Julie and me on Saturday evening. Uh, you have
1: had enough of the leftovers by that point.
2: <laughs> exactly. plus something a little different. Well, let me see if I can describe this. You have these parking lots at um, shopping centers. Where separating the sections of the parking, you'll have a little green space that's curbed. You know what I'm talking about? You oh, yeah. have plants, trees in them. So I parked next to one of those. And it's um, you know it's a standard rectangular type style curb, six inches or so I guess in height. I step out of my vehicle, placing my foot though I thought, on the curb. And I slipped. In doing so, didn't quite have proper footing and stumbled forward a few feet and instinctively grabbed a crepe myrtle (laughs) to avoid doing a face plant on the concrete sidewalk there. And as gracefully as I could, of course, and there's someone in a vehicle passing by that observes and parks in the middle of the, the street there, the road, the, the parking lot, hops out of the car and runs over to me. You okay? You okay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, the um, That was quite embarrassing, uh, to say the least. But then I kind of drug my left foot into the restaurant for the pickup. It hurt. It's. Um, I played golf on it yesterday. But I was, I was clearly favoring it. It's better today. But it was uh, just one of those things. Just missed the curb. In a bit of a hurry, I guess. Dang it. And it happened. Other than that, it was a good weekend, though. It, uh, the front moved through. It got a little rain yesterday. And then in the afternoon, the wind freshened, shifted around from the north there, it finally feels like late November. Yeah, it's going to be really cold tonight, right? Down in the 20s and. Uh, it's not going to
1: be quite as bad as the weatherman was predicting over the weekend. I don't okay. think we're... He was predicting we might get down to freezing last night, and it might go a little lower tonight. And from from what I've checked, unless you're north of Central Mississippi, it's going to stay above freezing. Okay. There is a chance for below freezing in North Mississippi, but yeah.
2: Well, uh, it's that time of year, though. I, oh, yeah. Honestly, though, I'll say... A short six weeks or so ago, when it was still in the mid to upper 90s, and for it seemed like a couple of months it was mid to upper 90s daily with no rain, I started scratching my head, is it ever going to get cold again? <laughs> you do start to wonder after such a prolonged period of heat and drought. Uh, I think the burn bans across the state have been lifted. Is that true? I saw some something perhaps indicating that. I
1: don't know if every single one of them has, but there should be a a big chunk of them have been knocked out.
2: Yeah, I I certainly would feel like it is uh, what they call Cyber Monday. That coming on the heels of Black Friday, we were of course down at Carter Jewelers for Black Friday. I will say that in um, let's see, in my um, time of doing. The show down at uh, Carter Jewelers. I don't know how many how many remotes we've done. That may be the biggest crowds I've seen in the place, which I hope is a, a good indicator of uh, small business sales and uh, just Americans' willingness to spend their money in the uh, small business community. I think it's very important for our um, for our our nation and our economy. Sorry about that. Somebody was texting me. I thought I needed to check something there. Apologize for that. But nonetheless, it it turned out to be a a fairly good day. The numbers are in with respect to sales, $9.9 billion reported on Black Friday. Expecting, however, Cyber Monday to surpass that. Americans... I was about
1: to say, you've seen... The retailers stretching Black Friday out, which can have a detriment to the numbers for Black Friday itself, because you got Black Friday deals starting on the Monday before Thanksgiving. Right. And then you have stuff like Small Business Saturday and Shop Local Saturday and Cyber Monday. So you you have all the because people only have the same amount of money. It, It feels like less than it was just a few years ago for the same amount, but you got the same amount. And you're only going to spend so much of how much you got. So instead of it all being crammed into, we're all going to pack in the stores on this one day and spend all the discretionary income we're going to spend on one day, you spread it out. The retailers spread it out early. The consumers spread it out later,
2: and you wind up with a little bit lower number. $12 billion is the forecast for retail spending online today for the week it's kind of considered black friday week right 37 billion americans still out there spending money something that caught my attention i found rather fascinating that's uh, related is that ups and fedex no longer the largest delivery companies in the united states that distinction now belongs to amazon Amazon surpassed UPS in parcel volume in 22 and FedEx in 20. I had no idea. And the Wall Street Journal reports that that gap is going to widen in 2023. Now, the U.S. Postal Service handles packages for Amazon, UPS, and FedEx. We should note that. So, technically speaking, they still own the title. Ah. <laughs> uh, Also, Merriam-Webster has decided that the word of the year, drum roll please, for 2023, authentic.
1: Authentic.
2: Authentic. And uh, the report says that no other words even came close. Authentic cuisine, authentic voice, authentic self, authenticity as artifice. (laughs) Lookups for the word are routinely heavy on the dictionary company's website, is what they say. And this is apparently driven by the explosion of artificial intelligence, because a whole bunch of that stuff ain't authentic. Chat GPT maker OpenAI, of course, you know about their leadership crisis over the past week, Altman. He's out, he's in, he's out, he's in, (laughs) he's all over the place. Uh, But nonetheless, questions have arisen like, can we trust whether a student wrote this paper? Can we trust whether a politician made this statement? We don't trust what we see anymore. Therefore, the word authentic has been distinguished as the word of the year by (laughs) Merriam-Webster I kind of think that makes sense. Just so you'll know, Merriam-Webster defines the word authentic. First, it is an adjective, not false, or imitation, colon, real, comma, actual. An authentic Cockney accent (laughs) is, oh gosh, true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. Could this not also apply to the radical gender ideology that is sweeping the nation? The one I still can't get over of all the crazy stuff we've talked about with respect to gender and how that's just honestly infiltrated every corner of society. I think it was the University of Nebraska that has some sort of dressing room Remember that, where you can go choose the clothing that you feel. (laughs) and You can do it in a safe environment and just wear the clothes. What did you say? Like a barrel with leather straps on it for people who are agender. Oh, gosh. They've got a room, literally, with clothes. So that you can feel comfortable and dress in a way that you believe corresponds to with your gender.
1: For all the college kids who are somehow still letting their parents dress them, it's college!
2: (laughs) How are you not already picking out what clothes you're wearing? (laughs) Folks, it's Monday and uh, today we have Michael Guest, Mississippi's congressman who represents uh, the 3rd district of the Magnolia State. He's coming on at 11.05. Ricky Matthews, Super Talk Outdoors at 12.05. Coming right back. Stay with us.
0: Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Oh, 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 mm, right. There she stood in the street uh, smiling from my head to her feet. I said, what is this? Now baby, maybe she's in need. of a kid. baby maybe we can see things as soon that hesitate Let's move before the rain, the
2: All right. Welcome back everyone It's middays We are in the element well studio kicking off a brand new week. it's the final week of November the final week of the 11th month of the year. you know what's gonna happen here pretty soon? Them zany legislators are going to be back down there at the Capitol trying to make them laws. We're going to have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about then, are we? Oh, yeah. One thing that will come into a view would be committee assignments. Got a, a new speaker, and so thus far the lieutenant I mean, even Governor, when there's not changeover
1: or turnover in speakerships or leadership, you, you usually have... Shifting and moving and adjusting of committees.
2: Yeah. But we do have uh, the return of our incumbent lieutenant governor, who, of course, appoints committees over there in the Senate, who's been a bit mum about it. Right? He's not made any commitments that I'm aware of. This is just from anecdotally from members of the chamber who said, yep, not sure where all that's going to land at this point. What I need today, Rhino, is I need a few more emails and texts notifying me about deals. <laughs> I haven't received enough. Oh, my gosh. I don't have enough storage in my email for all of them. It must work. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it, right?
1: I mean, it's it's kind of like fishing. You yeah. go out there, and you, you bait the hook, and you... Throw the line out there, and you're not going to catch something on every single cat. That's true. But persistence is that, key.
2: That's right. I think uh direct mail marketing, the rule of thumb is is it one percent? Something really, really low. If you get a one percent response, typically that's considered successful. Yeah, an economic success. That's right. Um, That's just the way that the numbers work out. I think that's kind of cool. Oh, Kamala Harris, there's been a lot of talk lately about the Inflation Reduction Act. You remember that monstrosity signed into law by President Joe Biden, which really was anything but an act designed to reduce inflation. (laughs) In fact, mostly what it did is give you money if you go green. I'm still waiting to see somebody tell me, hey, yeah, because of that Inflation Reduction Act and those credits that were available, I went and got me a new water heater. You heard anybody say that? Solar panels for their home? Electric appliances? I hadn't heard that.
1: No, but you know who did? Who's that? Pretty much everybody that owns an apartment complex.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I absolutely can see that. Getting you know it, what that does? What's that? Makes the rent go up. Ah, they're just passing it on. Ding, 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 ding. The, ding, the, ding, the ding. so-called improvements, right, in the appliances and so forth. Yeah, I can see that. So they took advantage of the credits. Probably, probably were at the point, I'm guessing, where they needed to upgrade the appliances, right? They were going to do it no matter what. But given that the federal government says, here, have some money for doing so, they just went out and upgraded and got the taxpayers to fund a portion of it. That's essentially what happened and thought about that. It they're also the sense.
1: only ones with the capital to invest in That's it right. because it's not free from the government and because they're at scale, they can actually make it work financially totally.
2: because it doesn't work for a single household. Totally makes sense. And of course, the demand for rental property exceeding supply so they're in pretty good position rents have gone up and that's because houses are outrageously priced but more importantly interest rates hovering in the seven and a half percent mark or so they're just prices a lot of people out of the market to own a home well Kamala Harris you know she's a she's in there with Joe she's a a big proponent of of greenness shall we say she posted did she on thanksgiving a photo of her and the second gentleman you probably seen this folks and it's set in there what appears to be their kitchen from our family to yours happy thanksgiving By the way, the H and happy was lowercase. I thought it was supposed to be uppercase. I don't know. Happy Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving was capitalized. No big deal. But what you can clearly see in the photo, now brace yourself for this because this is traumatic. A gas stove. Say it ain't so. It's a gas stove. And it looks like it, it has resting on it a teapot. (laughs) <laughs> like a kettle yeah like a you know a little round sort of tea kettle with the spout and handle on it i think so i mean it's it's kind of small I, I may not be making it out correctly but there's no doubt clearly that's a gas stove you can see that with the the raised grill on top of the burners underneath how could she do that you mean electric stoves for thee but not for me is that what we got going on here How can anybody ever take these green zealots seriously when they don't adhere to their own policy, to their own doctrine? That's why it gets no traction. But I'm waiting to see the data. I think you're right. Probably in rental property, all you really did is subsidize what they were already gonna do. But the average homeowner, I just don't know of anybody that said, man, Sure am glad Joe Biden signed off on that Inflation Reduction Act. I'm headed down to the store today to forklift, replace all my appliances and my water heater. I just don't think that happened I, I, as a result. Now, if it covered 100% of it, maybe, if you could totally upgrade uh, your appliance infrastructure, But to cover part of it? No, I just don't see it. I really don't. But I just found that to be stunningly hypocritical. Vice President Kamala Harris, I assume that's in her home because it's from our family to to yours, and she and the second gentleman. Well, even
1: if it wasn't in her home, how could she stand to to even stay one night somewhere with the dangerous, toxic gas <laughs> range in it.
2: Knowing the harm you are wielding on Because wasn't that firemen. the whole
1: hoopla about the reason they need to regulate them or ban them entirely is because they release
2: toxins. Yeah. So it's unsafe. It's unsafe. Absolutely true. Well, uh, something else that happened over the weekend... Something positive is the exchange of hostages held by Hamas, Israeli hostages, exchange for Palestinian prisoners. So far, that's been going relatively smooth, if you could call it that. Certainly much better than I anticipated. Among those released uh, yesterday was a four-year-old American girl among the 17 hostages released. Abigail Edan, a dual Israeli-American citizen, was confirmed to have been released Sunday. She was taken hostage on October 7th, sadly after the terrorists murdered her parents in her presence. Can you comprehend that? You're four, and you witness these savages brutally murder, massacre your parents. How do you recover from that? How do you deal with that? How can anybody in their right mind come down on the side of uh, these savages? How can they do that? How can they not see how this is the ultimate in evil to murder parents in front of a child? I can't comprehend it. I really can't, and I cannot. I, I can't wrap my head around these people in this in this country that have taken to the streets and almost everywhere protesting Israel and showing support for people who murder innocent civilians parents in front of a child their child I, I i don't get it i really don't the red cross informed that the israeli defense forces have taken custody of 14 israeli hostages and three foreign hostages as part of the release we're stepping aside for a break that was yesterday stepping aside for a break we're in the element well studio we're coming right back everyone that sticks blue collar man uh, bumping us into this segment here on middays we are once again in the element well studio michael guest mississippi's congressman who represents the third district will join middays at 1105 we'll get an update from all the stuff that's been going on up there in washington of course they sent him home right uh i believe until after christmas Is that right? Or do they go back some? We'll talk to Michael about that. I'm not sure what the schedule is. I'm thinking about the spending ordeal, of course. we got a continuing resolution passed that keeps the government open, funded, through January, some parts through January, some parts uh, on the discretionary side, into the first week or so of February. And we'll find out uh, from the congressman where the House stands on deliberating measures, That would be more permanent in nature, at least for a year, in terms of funding the discretionary component of the federal government. In the meantime, Joe Biden's poll numbers, lowest for him since he's been in the White House, wow, way down now to 38%. 38% as we approach an election year. That seems like uh, a bit of a hill to climb, I would say. He is facing some serious headwinds in the so-called swing states, of course, which is where, honestly, the White House is won or lost. Six swing states, generally regarded by pollsters and political pundits. And these are not looking good for President Biden, states that he carried in 2020, Arizona, even Nevada. I'm a little surprised at that one that shows Trump up by as much as 11% and some polls have him up by 3%. The average of the polls finds that Biden trails Trump by 4% in the silver state of Nevada. Georgia, another one, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. He's trailing uh, in those states, and this is a problem for Joe Biden. It's a problem for the Democrats, and they know it. And I think they're kind of on the edge of their seats, waiting to see if Mr. Biden does not just announce that he is not going to seek the White House for a second term, thus opening up the door for other candidates that I believe are just waiting in the wings to spring into action. One of those, of course, is thought to be the governor of California, Gavin Newsom.
1: I mean, why else did he take a trip to China?
2: I agree. I think that's what it was all about. So these are uh, interesting times for sure. When you take a look at that, and then we've also got some Senate seats, the five which are most likely to flip. This is actually looking pretty good for the Republicans, starting with West Virginia, where longtime Senator Joe Manchin says he's retiring from from the Senate. He's not going to run again. He was, of course, getting waxed in the polls. Uh, against a potential general election matchup with the former governor, Jim Justice, very popular figure in West Virginia. And then there's uh, also another state, Montana. This has always puzzled me. Montana is not a liberal state whatsoever, not a huge population. But Senator John Tester a Democrat who generally votes with and caucuses with Democrats. um, He's considered the lone Democrat with a chance in Montana, but it looks like he's going to face Tim Sheehy, who's a GOP recruit, and this, of course, is in a presidential year. It's expected that that seat may flip. may flip from... Tester, the Democrat, to the Republican. In Ohio, Sherrod Brown, Ohio is one of those states with a split Senate representation, a Democrat and a Republican. Sherrod Brown, the Democrat, would be seeking a fourth term. That means he's been there 18 years. This would be a term that would carry him for a total of 24 through that term. Well, Ohio typically is a very swingy sort of state. The Secretary of State of Ohio, Frank LaRose, the Republican, is a leading candidate to take on, it looks like he's in the race to take on Sherrod Brown. Arizona, that's another odd one. You remember that Senator Kirsten Cinema, she she left the Democrat party, became an independent. And there are Republicans that are going to be taking her on as the incumbent. Carrie Lake, the favorite there on the GOP side, of course, she lost her bid for governor in uh, Arizona. But that's another one that could easily flip. Pennsylvania, the Democrat Senator Bob Casey, he'll be facing a contest against David McCormick. Remember that he is, um, this is a state that Mehmet Oz won the primary, barely, and then got defeated by Senator Hoodie Man, John Fetterman. But that's another one that could go in favor of. So five key races. This is an interesting scenario that I started thinking about. When you look at the House, it looks better for the Democrats. Now, right now, there's, what, a a nine-seat Advantage, I believe, for Republicans, it uh, didn't turn out to be the uh, the, the, big, uh, the big the big red beef, wave. Yeah, the wave as was predicted, and and that that didn't come to fruition. Well, nonetheless, it's a razor thin margin when you consider how many there are in the House, four thirty five, and that uh, often. Those that won in really squishy districts, uh, they don't necessarily get on board with all that the party in charge is pushing. That's, that's clear. The, the, the spending debacle proves that. But we could have a situation, this is really a curious thought, where the House flips to Democrat and the Senate flips to Republican. Right now, of course... It's 50-50, but in the Senate, but we got a Democrat vice president who serves as a tiebreaker, who I think has cast more tiebreaking votes, if I'm not mistaken, Rhino, than any vice president in history. But how weird would that be? Suppose we get a Republican president, a Republican Senate, and it may only be a couple of seats, that's all it takes, and a Democrat House. I'm not so sure that's bad in that at least we know, for the most part, no no bad legislation would get through. It just means that we can't get good legislation through. I still predict that 2024, after the election next year, man, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the so-called Trump tax cuts, the individual provisions expire at the end of 25, what a monumental war, literally, that's going to be on Capitol Hill. And you're not hearing a whole lot about that right now. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind, but it will be. It will be a major issue, I predict. Meanwhile, here at home in the city of Jackson, not really good news for our capital city with respect to Population decline uh, ranked second among the top ten cities with a decline in population over the years 2017 to 2022. That's according to a smart asset study. 344 cities with a population exceeding 100,000 were examined Wow, a twelve percent decline in population from seventeen to twenty two, from one sixty seven thousand to one hundred forty six thousand, that's twenty thousand exiting Mississippi's capital city. You think they're like listening? You think that city leadership is recognizing this? Considering, hey, I wonder what's going on here. Why are people leaving? Think you think that's being discussed? You're thinking about it, I can tell.
1: I think they're looking for whichever excuse they can use that will garner them the most sympathy.
2: Yeah. You know what I think?
1: Without taking any responsibility.
2: Blame it on the Republicans that run the state, right? That's like everything else that happens. We're stepping aside. That's just the
1: backup. And if you can't come up with something original, just, oh, it's the Republicans' fault. I totally agree. Coming
2: right back, folks. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk, Mississippi. Well, it's
2: you and me, baby. No one else we could trust will say nothing. Well, I reckon Mississippi State got their man, huh? Flew in yesterday? After the announcement, big crowd tonight. Yeah, big crowd greeted him there in uh, Starkville. Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator at the University of Oklahoma, at one time on staff at uh, Ole Miss. He's the head coach at uh, Mississippi State University. Right before Oklahoma joins the SEC, isn't that right? That is weird too. Yeah, next year, right. So I'm seeing predictions that Ole Miss may face off with the University of Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Latest prediction. Don't know. That would be a Jerry World, as they call it, over there in Dallas. I've been to games at the old original Cotton Bowl Stadium. At the fairgrounds there? Very historic at the fairgrounds, yeah. Been to been to games there, and I've been to games, uh, saw Ole Miss play there at the Cotton Bowl the in Jerry World it was fairly new. You know how many televisions there are?
1: In Jerry's World? Yeah. Uh I really only know about the one gigantic one.
2: <laughs> 3000. Wow. Yeah. Um the company, you know that I used to partner with a lot Cisco systems they actually make technology I, I'm trying to think of the the branding of it. It's stadium some stadium net or something like that, but uh I knew the folks over there, the Cisco partner that did Jerry World's big, giant networking project. Of course, all of the devices, including the televisions, are are all connected. Oh, yeah. You don't run around with your fingers turning them on and off. They're all networked in there. But 3,000, that's a bunch of TVs, isn't it, under one roof. I don't think... That's
1: the, that's the way you have to build a stadium in today's day and age for it to... Get
2: the kind of crowd you need to pay for it. I think that's right. I mean, you you literally are not ever where you cannot see the game, right, in the stadium. No matter where you are, there it is on a TV. With three thousand, you think you
1: could achieve that? Well, with three thousand, you can always see the game. You can always keep up with the scores from around the league. Yeah, you've got the interactive screens where you walk up to it, and it's got pre-recorded messages from the players that are right down there on the
2: field. But they'll have a conversation with you. That's absolutely true. And you know, the one thing I recall
1: or take pictures with you um, on the screen—it's kind of
2: crazy. The last time I went, the the screens—the the, is it four? I guess that sit atop that hang from the ceiling atop the center of the field. They're so big. Oh, yeah. just You find shoot. yourself looking at them instead of down at the field. They're just so big and so clear. I mean, it's very high quality. At least I did. It may be because I was kind of sitting high up, almost eye level. Didn't have to you know strain to look up to see them. But it's, uh, it's an impressive venue, no, no doubt about it. On the ceasefire text line, we were talking about uh, the weather this morning in Gravestown, North Mississippi, that is. Our thermometer had 27, a little chilly, but naked deer hunting fun. Have a good one, y'all, KG. Interesting. Jeff in Hattiesburg, do you see, foresee anyone running against Roger Wicker? I think, Jeff, he's got two primary challengers right now, if I'm not mistaken, that have filed Representative Dan Eubanks from DeSoto County and Gannon Burton also, I believe, have filed. Let's see here. What else? Rhett and Ridgeland says many of today's educational institutions require or issue tablets and laptops. It would have taken a heck of a lot of code to write a monitoring program which could authenticate the production of written work from students Write it in your free time and make a million off of it. You could buy a nice boat on me. (laughs) We were just talking about Merriam-Webster has uh, announced that the word authentic is the word of the year, and this comes behind a wave of artificial intelligence and so much of what you read these days and see you don't know. Was it AI-generated or was it authentic, done at the hands of a human? My mother-in-law is 83, had a gas stove her whole life, no side effects yet, talking about Kamala, <laughs> posting a photo of her and the second gentleman, I almost said first, second gentleman there in their home, wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving. And clearly in the photo you can note a gas stove, which are being banned in some parts of the country, some states. It's, it's certainly the Democrats' goal to completely eliminate the use of natural gas. They want to do away with it, totally.
1: Which is the ultimate irony because it wasn't that long ago that natural gas was considered green. Yeah, that's exactly
2: right. What happened to that? I still think it is. I'm on that side. I I bet Biden doesn't know his rating is that low. We just shared he's got an all-time low rating since he's been in office of about 38 favorability, 38%. Dan in Hattiesburg, uh, let's see, I'll look at that later. Dan, thanks. Uh, Chris from Oxford said, that. oh, he sent us a photo. That What did he say? That's my big head.
1: <laughs> yeah, he said they had a pro-Palestine march in Oxford on the I square. I see
2: that, yeah. I can tell that's what it is. That's my big head with the arm on the bar. I got you. Thanks for that. Smart Asset, I believe my boss called me something like that one time, Louie from the 662. That's in response to the story we shared where Smart Asset said that the capital city of Mississippi, Jackson, ranked second among large cities that lost population between 17 and 22. It is time for Fox News and Super Supertalk News. Top of the hour, coming back. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of middays. We're kicking off a brand new week. By the way, we're going to be in the studio all week here at Supertalk headquarters. It's a short show today. Ricky Matthews, Supertalk Outdoors at 1205. But right now, it's our good friend Congressman Michael Guest. He represents Mississippi's 3rd District. Good to have you in here, Congressman. Gerard, great to see you again. Well, it uh, was an eventful Thanksgiving. I know you and Haley have been traveling around and trying to hit the football games. I know that's much appreciated. Uh, The Egg Bowl, of course, last Thursday, Thanksgiving evening in Starkville, and saw the great photos. Uh, And then you told me you were at USM. Yeah, so uh,
3: we we made the football circuit uh, the uh, Saturday before the Egg Bowl. We were at the USM-Mississippi State game. Uh, Then the Egg Bowl uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and then we went down to Hattiesburg uh, this past Saturday uh, and saw uh, the Golden Eagles uh, take on Liberty. So yeah. uh, one of the things that, that I love to do is love college athletics. You and I have talked a great deal about that, and I know you have share, share that same passion. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we got a chance to go around and uh, watch some college football and uh, to support uh, all of our Mississippi teams this weekend.
2: Well, I know that uh, you enjoy being back in your home state of Mississippi, but you got to go
3: back when? Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., so I'll be on the early direct flight back. Uh, have been home now for about 10 days, which is nice. Um, We've been in D.C. really since the August recess, Uh, so uh, 10, 11 weeks straight. Now, I do get to come home on the weekends, but you're flying in on Friday. You're flying back up Monday or Tuesday, so you're not getting a a whole lot of time to uh, engage people back home, but I'll be flying up tomorrow morning. We've got a three-week stretch uh, that we'll be in D.C. before we'll take our Christmas uh, recess, Uh, and so uh, we'll be working for, for those three weeks, and then, of course, when we we come back in January. Uh, we know that government funding uh, will be something that we're going to have to address very quickly. Uh, government funding will run out on uh, a portion of the government late January, uh, the other portion of the government early February. Because of that laddered CR approach uh, yep. that, that passed, uh, the entire government doesn't shut down simultaneously. Uh, and the intent was with that was to try to make sure that we have the ability to vote on individual bills and that we are not uh, – being the House jammed by some omnibus spending bill out of the Senate, which is what has been the normal course of action uh, over the last several legislative years.
2: Yeah. So give us an update uh, status of where we are. There are 12, in regular order, there are 12 separate spending bills to fund that discretionary aspect. Of government. How many have passed? How many, the House, that is, how many uh, remain?
3: Uh, so we've passed seven of the 12. Uh, the Senate has passed three. Uh, so we have sent seven of our spending bills uh, over to the Senate. Uh, the intent is to, on the bills that we've passed, to try to go ahead and begin the negotiations between the House and Senate because ultimately whatever we pass in the House, we have to marry up with what's going to be passed in the Senate. Uh, and we know that the priorities in the House are going to be different than the Senate. Uh, and so we hope that those discussions. Uh, will take place very quickly, begin taking place uh, hopefully this week, and will continue through the Christmas break so that when we come back in January, the, the plan is or the hope is to get back to regular order where you're voting on individual spending bills. Okay. And you're not voting on all the bills, either all 12 together as an omnibus spending bill, which you often hear, or sometimes the bills are broken up into, say, six and six or eight and four. Uh, those are often referred to as mini buses, but where we're combining spending bills together. You know, the, the the great thing is, at least in the House, we've written our spending bills to lower levels than we saw last year. Uh, so we're actually going to see a decrease in discretionary spending, assuming that what we pass out of the House is ultimately the same uh, top line that we see out of the Senate. And we've also put in there um, conservative writers, uh, conservative policy uh, positions in those spending bills. And so that's going to be the fight to make sure that we keep that top line lower than we saw uh, the spending. Ending, uh, this past fiscal uh, year, uh, and also to make sure that we're keeping that those conservative riders in place.
2: Of course, uh, Chuck Schumer, who essentially runs the Senate uh, for the Democrats there, uh, he, he's kind of made it clear in his communications that uh, these bills that would, in fact, reduce spending, especially on the non-defense aspect of it, that uh, he's not too keen on getting that through the Senate.
3: Well, you know, and the thing that works in Republicans' favor, if, if these bills are not passed and that uh, they are not in effect uh, in March of next year, there's a mandatory 1% spending. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, the problem with that for Republicans is that's across-the-board spending. Uh, and so that would include things such as uh, a 1% spending cut to our military uh, at a time where we see uh, global events uh, at times seem to be spending out of control. Uh, that would include a 1% Uh, cut uh, for our uh, agents on the border, Uh, 1% cut to veterans. And so uh, as Republicans, we would like those cuts to be passed through other spending bills so that we can continue to fund the military, continue to fund our veterans. But if the Democrats say, hey, we're not going to negotiate, Uh, it's going to be our way or the highway, you're going to have to pass the Senate bill, uh, take it or leave it, uh, I believe that what you'll see is those mandatory spending cuts go into place, uh, that we will fund the government uh, through the next Physical year uh, with those one percent spending cuts.
2: You know there are a lot of people in in our state uh, and across the country who are of the opinion when they when they see just sort of this dysfunction uh, uh, just in government in general around funding government that just say hey if it means if we don't get funding passed some sort of as as we just did with a continuing resolution if it means shutting down the government. Maybe that's what
3: we need. How, how do you feel about that? You know, I, I think that uh, while no one wants a government shutdown, it's it should not be something that we should take off the table. Uh, in, in Washington D.C., as you're well aware, deadlines are the only thing that generally makes Congress move forward. Yeah. Uh, and we have seen uh, that this Congress, uh, we have voted uh, on two continuing resolutions to keep the government open. I voted against both of those. Uh, yeah. I don't like continuing resolutions. It is a terrible way uh, to run the government. Uh, but both of those resolutions. Uh, passed with overwhelming Democrat support and about 50-50 Republican support. But we have to if we're going to get spending under control if we want conservative priorities we've got to be at least willing to consider shutting down the government. Uh, And again, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for the House and the Senate to reach compromise and for us to be able to cut spending that would include some conservative riders. But if we're scared of a government shutdown we're going to be in this continual cycle that we're never going to be able to get spending under control.
2: Well is it is it accurate to say congressman that, that the main issue with continuing resolutions as opposed to uh, the 12 separate spending bills uh, known as regular order is that there's really no discussion. There's no debate. There's no deliberation the way it should be in committees to form up these individual bills.
3: That's right. And, and, and we are continuing to fund the priorities that were in place when Nancy Pelosi was Speaker. Yeah. Uh, we're these, just last, continuing it. these last spending bills were written at a time in which the Democrats controlled the House and the Senate. Uh, they have all of the policies that they wanted to put in these bills. They have the spending at the levels they wanted. Uh, and so So if Republicans, conservatives, if we're going to make our mark on spending, uh, we've got to get to the fact that we're getting away from a continuing resolution because – Every continuing resolution, at least in my opinion, that is a win for the Democrats because we are continuing to fund the government at their levels. We're continuing to prioritize the programs they want to prioritize, and we're continuing to have their policy riders in place. And the longer we do that, uh, the bigger a win is going to be for the Democratic Party.
2: Yeah, that's a good point because the the word uh, is included in the – in the term, in the name, which is continuing, which means continue what was already done, essentially, and that's what we're doing.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I was frustrated, uh, uh, I guess, the fall of this past year where we actually tried to pass a resolution that would cut spending. Uh, the, the the resolution would have done several things. It would have cut spending. It would have had some policy riders in place to help secure the border, and it also would have established a long-term debt commission. Uh, we were unable to get that bill out of the House. Uh, I thought that that would that have been was under been s- – That was under McCarthy. Uh, And then uh, once that bill failed for lack of Republican support, because we knew we weren't going to have support on the Democratic side, uh, then McCarthy felt compelled to keep the government open. And we know that that's what ultimately led to him being removed uh, from the speakership. Yeah.
2: And even though Chuck Schumer at that point said that deal's dead on arrival when it hits the Senate, still, though, it would have sent a message at least. And it would have it would have established, I guess, the Republican
3: agenda from a spending
2: perspective, as I recall. It cut about $300 billion.
3: It did. You know, I mean, th- there were substantial cuts to programs other than defense, veterans, and homeland security. Yeah. Uh, uh, substantial cuts, in many cases, double digit cuts uh, from the, the, the prior year. A- and and it was a deal that was negotiated by many, many members of the Freedom Caucus, the yeah. most conservative group uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, Byron Donalds uh, was one of the lead negotiators, uh, a very instrumental in, uh, individual there within the Freedom Caucus. So you had uh, Freedom. Caucus buy-in; they, they actually helped write the legislation. Uh, but unfortunately, we weren't able to get that bill across the finish line. Uh, and with us being unable to do so, uh, again at that time, Speaker McCarthy felt like he had to put a clean CR on the fl- on the floor. Uh, it passed, that and ended, we're continuing to operate under those same principles.
2: That ended his his tenure. That's as right; he's he no longer that the speaker. Boy. We uh, we're up against a break right now. But if you can hang around, want to talk to you uh, some more about what's going on in Washington, and and we'll also discuss something you've been heavily involved in and that's Representative Santos there from New York. We'd love to. We got Congressman Michael Guest in the Element Well studio. We're coming right back.
0: Days with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this on Super Talk, Mississippi. Uh-huh. Let's go.
2: Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We're live in the Element Well studio. Our guest is Congressman Michael Guest. He represents the Mississippi's 3rd District. We were just talking about uh, this continuing resolution situation. Wow. We uh, So McCarthy's out. Mike Johnson ultimately becomes the speaker. And this is the first thing he's got to contend with. And this isn't easy this is hard
3: you're exactly right you know you know he, he comes in with uh, three weeks before a government shutdown now I will say uh, he was very quickly able to pass uh, I think there were four spending bills yeah. that he was able to pass uh, after becoming speaker he was also able to pass out out of the house uh, aid to Israel uh, we know that that bill is being held up in the Senate because uh, the Senate particularly the Senate Democrats don't like the fact that it's all set by cuts to the RS uh, they want that spending just to be added to uh, the the national debt, but Mike's been able to get some some wins across the finish line very quickly. Yeah, uh, and but we we have our work. Uh, ahead of us when we get back, you know. In addition to the the spending bills we have to pass, uh, we've got the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act uh, that we have to that we've passed out of the House. Uh, we've got to marry that up with the Senate version. You've got FAA reauthorization. Uh, you have FISA, which is expiring at the end of the year, and we need to uh, reauthorize FISA, but with some guardrails in place to make sure that there's uh, no abuse of the FISA system. And we also have the farm bill. Now, the farm bill was reauthorized. Uh, in the CR to the end of next year, but we've got to work at putting together a, a farm bill. Something uh, very important, Mississippi. No doubt, uh, and, and an ag state like Mississippi, um, that bill is vitally important. Uh, we have regular communication uh, with Farm Bureau uh, on, on the uh, on the farm bill. We're blessed that we've got two Mississippians, uh, Trent Kelly in the House, Cindy Hyde Smith in the Senate, who are in those in the room during those negotiations. You know, but uh, you know, the farm bill is really only twenty percent agriculture. Yeah. Uh, you know, the rest are new nutritional program, SNAP and other benefits like that. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's not as easy as it sounds when you're just crafting an ag bill because we know uh, that the farm bill uh, it ha- has been combined with those nutritional benefits. Uh, and so it's going to take some time. And so those are big items that Congress has on its plate that we need to deal with and need to deal with in a timely fashion. Well,
2: you guys, uh, are you are going to work on any of that between now and well, Christmas? Uh, you, and get know, back you know,
3: I, I am hopeful that the National Defense Office Authorization act will be passed between now and the end of the year uh, and i'm also hopeful that, that we will get something done on the FISA reauthorization i don't think anyone wants to see uh, fisa uh, go away completely uh, i think it is an important tool uh, but again a tool that needs procedural safeguards in place and so those are those discussions are ongoing uh, and i hope that we will have something to vote on between now and the end of the year
2: I don't think that reasonable-thinking pe- uh, people, congressmen, believe that, that that our defense does not need sufficient funding to protect uh, our nation. I mean, that's government's number one priority. But there are concerns. You're, I'm sure you're aware that the Pentagon once again failed its
3: audit. It failed miserably. Bad. Yes. What can we do about this? You know, that that that's going to be something that, you know, we're going to have to try to see what we can do to increase oversight. Uh, the inspector general and others making sure that they're digging into uh, the, the Pentagon's budget and the Pentagon spending. Uh, because, look, we want to support our troops. So we want to make sure that they're the best equipped military, military force uh, that we can put on the battlefield. We want to make sure that they have what they need to go fight battles and return home safely. But we also have to be very concerned with the spending within the military, particularly waste and fraud. And I think that that's what you're referring to. We have a great deal of waste and fraud that that is currently ongoing, and money that should go into weapon systems uh, is instead uh, going into this fraud that we're seeing. You know, also, you know, you talk about some of the – programs within the military, the wokeness that we see within the military, and I think everyone uh, is so tired of that. We want a military that's not focused on, and is not some social experiment, but we want a military that we can put on the battlefield and, and, and that they, they can fight to protect our freedoms. And in a, in a time in which we see uh, in the Middle East uh, yeah. with what Israel is going through now with Gaza, we have the continual battle in Europe between Russia and the Ukraine uh, over in the South China Sea. Uh, we see that China continues to saber-rattle toward Taiwan. You know, we are uh, probably in one of the most dangerous uh, political times uh, internationally uh, that I've seen probably since the Cold War. Okay. And we must be prepared if, uh, if our nation is called on to be able to uh, send our troops to be able to fight to protect our friends. We hope we never get there. And one of the ways we don't get there is kind of the Reagan policy is, you know, peace through strength. Uh, when people see America as weak, uh, then they take the opportunity to act. And so if they see that we have the ability to defend ourselves, uh, the, the hope and the goal is that that will keep us out of conflicts across the globe. Well, I
2: think I represent uh, our fellow Mississippians uh, and certainly those in your district, Congressman, that uh, we got to take this forward to leadership and say, guys, it's unacceptable for our Pentagon, which gets $800 billion a year, to not be able to account for all the money and all the assets that they've purchased with that money, which is why they failed the audit. Um, so I'm asking you, I'm requesting of you on behalf of people. and I know you feel the same way. Let's get the leadership and say oversight. I think it's a great idea. We've got to have an investigation into this. Yeah, and
3: and, and people that are responsible, they've got to be held accountable. You know, and, yeah. and, and I think that's what frustrates uh, members of the public. I know it frustrates me is when we identify people who are responsible for these things, they're never held accountable. Exactly. Uh, they're never fired. They're never terminated. Uh, often they're promoted to yeah. to, to another job. Uh, and, and, and that's just wrong. It's you totally know, wrong. Uh, if there is criminal fraud, they need to be prosecuted. Uh, if it's just ineptness, they need to be fired, and we need to put somebody in there who can do the job and do the job correctly.
2: Well, uh, your your last comments there—that's something you have some experience with, so. Um, Go to Mike Johnson and and, uh, Armed Forces and say, guys, we got to do something about this.
3: Well, and, uh, you know, I I will see uh, Mike uh, and uh, Mike Rogers, who's the chairman of Armed Services. Of course, we know uh, on the Armed Services side in Mississippi, you know, we have the ranking member in Senator Wicker. Uh, And so – and then Trent Kelly also serves on the Armed Services. And so uh, this will be something that, as a Mississippi delegation, that we will remain focused on. Uh, Again, uh, the fact that they failed their audit and they failed it so miserably – uh, should be something that that all Americans should be concerned because that 's our that 's our hard earned taxpayer dollars being misspent just because of the military they don 't get a pass on that that 's right, yeah, yeah, and you know, and every year we 're looking at increasing military spending because again, we want to invest that sure. in weapons systems and training we 're not wanting to to say well, a certain percentage of that is going to be misspent because of yeah. of fraud or ineptitude
2: totally agree all right let 's talk about um, Wow. George Santos, representative from New York, flipped a seat up there, seat that Republicans need to retain. Uh, you serve as chairman of the Ethics Committee. You've been very vocal, and, and uh, your, your face <laughs> and, and some of your statements have been broadcast, uh, as they should be. This is a bad dude
3: it is you know um you know just just taking away just the, the the general lies and deceits you know that we know of I mean mr. Santos lied about his education uh both uh, graduate school uh postgraduate you know he lied about his employment his work, uh, yeah. uh his uh, he lied about the fact that he had employees who were killed in a mass shooting in Florida uh you know he lied and told people he was jewish and then later came back and said no I'm jewish uh, <laughs> you know and and look those statements alone are true enough, But that's not why we're seeking to uh, expel uh, Representative Santos. Uh, there was an eight-month investigation conducted by the Ethics Committee. Uh, an investigative subcommittee was in panel. Uh, they interviewed numerous witnesses. Uh, they issued a, a large number of subpoenas, looked at almost over 100,000 different pages of documents. Uh, and they came to the conclusion uh, that Mr. Santos, through a web of different accounts, whether it be his uh, campaign account, um, his uh, uh, leadership pack uh, his business account and he had really an unregistered uh, group called Redstone uh, Strategies uh, that was really an unregistered FEC super PAC that he was enriching himself uh that that money was not flowing to his campaign but money was flowing to him personally and i think the report bears out some of the expenditures paying his rent paying his credit card bill uh, atm purchases botox botox uh luxury purchase at high end uh, um, uh, uh, uh high end stores uh, ferragamo shoes ferragamo you know uh, only fans you <laughs> only know, know i mean yeah i mean so you know and 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 the amount of fraud and abuse was something that is unprecedented you know, right. we, We've never seen that before. Uh, and, you know, if Mr. Santos is expelled, uh, which requires a two-thirds vote by Congress, he will only be the sixth member of Congress that has been expelled. Uh, three during the Civil War, uh, two that were, were expelled because of federal convictions, uh, and so okay. he would be the, the sixth member of Congress. And so this is uh, uh, this is something, uh, uh, an action, if you will, that is, uh, I won't say unprecedented, but not something uh, that, that, that we see. Uh, on a regular basis, but I do believe that based on the extent of conduct, that expulsion uh, is a is an p- appropriate remedy.
2: Well, I know, Chair, the Ethics Committee in the House, you've been leading the charge on that. I believe it was a subcommittee, right, that did the investigation. Yeah, investigative that, subcommittee, yes. That uncovered all this nonsense. But we need that seat. Yeah. He, he doesn't need to be in Congress, in my view, but we need to keep the seat. We well, need to get somebody and, good to run and, in that and, district.
3: And, and, and other New Yorkers think that we do have a chance to, to keep that seat okay, if, if he is removed. Good.
2: I think that would actually help Hill. No doubt. Appreciate you coming on, Congressman. Yes, sir. Good Thanks, sir. Congressman Michael Guest represents Mississippi's 3rd District. has been our guest on Middays. We're stepping aside for a break. Half an hour left in today's program. Stay with us. Take a little trip. Take
3: a little
0: With Gerard Gibbert. It is on on Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Middays on a Monday, kicking off the uh, brand new week, the last one in the month of uh, November. We appreciate you joining us. I wanted to pass on that yesterday marked four years, hard to believe, four years since the Mississippi Lottery was launched. The first ticket was sold at a raceway on Highway 18, Yeah, that's in the District Represented by Representative Alice G. Clark, for whom the law is named, which established the Mississippi Lottery, known as the Clark Act, uh, was present. It was a big day down there in uh, South Jackson on Highway 18. Representative Clark was escorted by then-president of the Mississippi Lottery Corporation, Tom Shaheen. We had a sweet potato queens on on hand and um, an Elvis impersonator. big day she was escorted into the store and purchased ticket number one. Since the lottery has been operating, it has uh, generated one uh, point. Let me make sure I get this right. I did the math yesterday. Yep, $1.94 billion of gross revenue. That's just gross sales of tickets. And that has yielded $504 million of net proceeds. That's the accounting terminology in such uh, an entity. It's equivalent to profit, essentially, in the private sector. $504 million dollars have been produced for the state. Remember that the first 80 million produced in a fiscal year, first 80 million of net proceeds transferred to the state highway fund that to uh, pay for roads and bridges in the excess in a fiscal year over that first 80 million transferred to the education enhancement fund, also known as the EEF. So i got to tell you that there are a lot of folks that um, did not think that the lottery would be even remotely as successful as it has been. And by success, I mean in terms of gross sales and net proceeds generated. And the law itself, there is a statement in the act which says that the mission of the corporation is to maximize revenues for the state of Mississippi. I believe it has achieved that. I've been honored and blessed to serve on the board. That, at the request of Governor Phil Bryant in 2018, when the act was passed into law in a special session in August, the board is fantastic and the team. At the lottery are really, really good at what they do, and uh, I'm proud of them and their efforts and their accomplishments. So I think overall it's been a positive, I really do, for the state of Mississippi, which became the 45th state to establish a state lottery. Only five have not. One of those is our neighbor to the east, Alabama. And then Nevada and Utah, Alaska in and Hawaii. Just want to pass that on, though. I think Representative Clark, if I'm not mistaken, Rhino did not run for re-election. I think she retired, having served in the House of Representatives for many years. Uh, represents South and West Jackson, a district that covers that. In fact, I grew up in the district that she represents over there in West Jackson. She was a longtime advocate for a lottery in the state, but it has it done well, and we appreciate all the efforts of all those involved. We've got great partners as well that are in, involved in the lottery. Ben from Madison says, thank you for bringing that issue up. It can be a difficult topic for many legislators to talk about, given the time frame. I believe Ben is referring to our question of the congressman about the Pentagon, in his words, miserably failing the audit. So we should all call on our representatives in Washington to, to uh, really dig into this. And as the congressman said, need to be held accountable. This is just unacceptable. It, and it's, I think as much as anything, what it demonstrates, exhibits, is just incompetence. It's incompetence. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's something nefarious or inappropriate or illegal going on, but, but you, you can't just jump to that conclusion, but you've got lots of, uh, uh, of reasons to do so. It's just unacceptable. The taxpayers deserve more than that, and those in charge ought to be ashamed. Honestly, I wish they worry more about that and uh, ensuring that our armed forces are lethal, and less about pronouns. Unbelievable to me uh, how that has has really kind of dominated their uh, their attention. Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, who could forget, famously said, number one challenge we have in the military is white rage. He offered zero examples of that that I can recall. I don't remember him ever saying, yeah, we had white rage here and there, and this is this is uh, what happened. I never heard any such reports. But I, I feel like it was just kind of the thing that he felt like he needed to say during the time period which was right after the George Floyd incident. You probably saw, folks, that the officer involved in that incident who was convicted, in jail, was stabbed, injured. I don't don't know the extent of the injuries, but I believe was attacked inside the prison walls there. Kind of wondered... Why it took this long, honestly. I figured something, you don't want any of that sort of stuff to happen inside the gates of a prison, but the fact is it does, and I'm surprised. And I don't know if there have been any sort of special accommodations made for him now as a result of seeing that he's a target, not that we didn't already know that, and those accommodations from a security perspective may have already been in place, but they're not perfect. And it's, uh, it's difficult to ensure that nothing ever happens. So we'll see where that leads. The congressman was talking about this, this spending negotiations that they're going to get back on here when they return. He said he's got to head back to Washington tomorrow. And as he indicated, middle of January, some parts of the government, are no longer funded and in the first couple of weeks of January through this laddered approach that was advocated for by Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. I think you're going to see a rather bitter showdown on this. I I don't think this is just easy peasy, no matter who's the Speaker. Uh, Corralling all the various uh, members and their needs and wants and positions is going to be difficult to I think assemble all that into legislation, which can pass both chambers and and then be signed into law by the president. It's uh, going to be something to behold for sure. We'll be we'll be watching it. In the state of Mississippi, we were talking this morning internally here about what might be the priorities, uh, Rhino, when the legislators are seated in January, and we will have a new Speaker of the House. I think most expect that to be Speaker Pro Tem Jason White replacing Speaker Philip Gunn. And then we've got um, a returning Lieutenant Governor, a returning Governor. Both incumbents prevailed in their elections, respective elections. But what do the people believe to be priorities? We were discussing that. Many think... That the ballot measure, the ballot initiative process, I should say, I agree. That's something that uh, I've described as unfinished business. Anytime we interviewed, as you recall, members of the legislature on the program towards the end of the session or even post the session, I sort of felt like that was something that it kind of had some false starts two years in a row. Couldn't get it across the finish line. So you've got to believe that will get some attention where that will land man it's anybody's guest i think that will be on the table i think um, education savings accounts so-called school choice i think you're going to see more emphasis and debate over that i know the governor i I believe based on observing his his many speeches and in uh, campaign uh, messaging i believe he sees elimination of the State income taxes, his top priority. The lieutenant governor always uh, has talked about uh, free community college. It's been kind of top of his list, a, a recurring point he's made. We've also got the health care dilemma in the state of Mississippi as well. So lots of things they'll be negotiating down there at the Capitol. We're coming right back with a final segment on middays on this Monday after these messages.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
1: Keep rolling. Three, two, one.
0: On Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Rick and go for <laughs> we were talking about the 3000 TVs in Jerry's world where the Dallas Cowboys play football he said that's three thousand remotes to keep track of <laughs> yep yeah, uh they're all wired up though good thing there Rick you don't need the remotes in fact I got all my TVs um. Or controlled by my, my system. I have a Control 4 system. It's pretty cool. I don't even know where the regular TV remotes are. Once we install those things, you just uh, download the the uh, the drivers into the app, the Control 4 app. Boom. It's pretty cool. I don't know if you've ever seen that stuff. But it's, uh, you get spoiled by all that. Ben from Madison says, seems... Like, we need to figure out how that shakes out before we make serious reforms to tax policy, talking about PERS. And, you know, I agree with you, Ben. Uh, I have, um, as you know, wrote an article about it and really just became familiar with the financial plight of PERS a few months ago. And I'm a little surprised that we haven't heard more about that from a legislative or legislature perspective or from our statewide leaders, it is a real issue that is not going away that must be addressed. And the longer it goes without action, the more painful are the corrections and uh, the, the cure itself. So I, I agree, Ben, and I. I um, we're going to stay on that. And I have talked to Uh, Some folks that uh, make the laws and and deal with this issue, they're aware, they know, and it's going to get some attention, I feel certain, certain of that. Let's see, can you give us an update on where the investigation into welfare fraud is? I I don't have any information on that. Rhino, I don't know if you've seen anything. There's been little published or reported on it, honestly. I think the, uh, the parties are still pursuing that and collecting information. I'm sure there may be some depositions going on. I don't know. I haven't seen any official report, so I hesitate to speculate at this point. Malcolm from Tishamingo points out yeah, fraud is illegal. And I think he's referring to Representative George Santos. It is. And he, he broke campaign finance reform law. And so I applaud Congressman Guest for pursuing uh, an investigation and, um, and, and even uh, proposing that he be um, he be expelled. I mean, he, he broke the law. And I, I don't think we can just wait and say, well, he's not going to run again. And as the congressman pointed out, we don't know if that's true or not. I mean, he may say that today. I mean, a guy that clearly has got a history of lying. He may even exceed Joe Biden in that department. He's compressed it, let's put it that way. But his whole life was a lie. How does he get elected, Rhino? I cannot figure that out. How could you commit such excessive lies like that, engage in that, and, and then present that as your resume and get elected? How does that not get uncovered revealed
1: well that comes back to the idea that he has done this before without any real intention of winning he just so happened to win yeah i guess so
2: but you know what i'd like to say here though to those that sometimes accuse us here on the show of of we never call out our own and of course that's completely false we do and in this case I'm ashamed, honestly, that this guy is a member of the party that I support, and I think he needs to be expelled. And so does the congressman. Michael Guest, he made that clear as well. And he's discharging his duty as chair of the Ethics Commission, uh, Committee in the House. He's got to pursue that. There's grounds for it. But can you give me an example of where the Democrats do that right now? The same people that are accusing us, essentially projecting on us, right, of never calling out our own, are the very people that won't call out their own. <laughs> Am I missing something there? I don't think so. I mean, if if that's the case, let me know. Are, are they calling out K- Kamala Harris for having a gas stove in their house while they're running around the country telling everybody that gas stoves are evil and natural gas is Going to end the planet as we know it? Where are they? Why are they calling out the vice president? Does that set a good example? I don't think so. Unbelievable. We're out of time here today, folks. It's Ricky Matthews, Super Talk Outdoors, after Fox News and Super Talk News. We're back with you again tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone.